Good morning. Today I will be doing the Life and Death of Kurt Cobain, Part 1. Kurt Donald Cobain, February 20th, 1867 to April 8th, 1994, an American singer, singer, and musician is best known as a guitarist and frontman of the rock band Nirvana. He is remembered as one of the most iconic, influential rock musicians in the history of alternative music. Born in Aberdeen, Washington, Cobain formed the band Nirvana with Chris, Chris Novoselic and Aaron Burkhardt in 1987 as part of the Seattle music scene, later becoming known as Grunge. After being signed with major label DGC Records, Nirvana gained success with Smells Like Teen Spirit from the second album, Nevermind, 1991. <coughs> with the success of Nevermind, Nirvana was labeled as a Flagship band of Generation X with Co Cobain hailed as a spokesman of the generation. Cobain resented this, believing his message and artistic vision being misinterpreted by the public and his personal problems often a subject of media attention. During the last years of his life, Cobain struggled with heroin addiction and chronic health problems like depression. Struggling with personal and professional pressures of fame and his marriage to music Courtney Love, Cobain was found dead on April 8, 1994, at the age of 27, in his Seattle home. Police concluded Cobain died of a self-inflicted shotgun wound to his head on April 5th. <coughs> Described as a Generation X icon, Cobain was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame along with Nirvana bandmates David Grohl and Novoselic in their first year of eligibility in 2014. In 2003, David Frick of Rolling Stone ranked him the 12th greatest guitarist of all time. Cobain was ranked 7th by MTV in the 22nd Greatest Views of Voices in Music. In 2006, he was placed 20th by Hit Parader on their list of 100 Greatest Metal Singers of All Time. Early Life Cobain was born at Grace Harbor Hospital in Aberdeen, Washington on February 20th, 1967. He was the son of waitress Wendy Elizabeth Nee Freidenberg, born 1948. An automotive mechanic, Donald Leland Cobain, born 1946. Cobain's parents married on July 31, 1965, in Coeur Idaho. Cobain's ancestry is listed as Dutch, English, French, German, Irish, and Scottish. His Irish ancestors immigrated from Carricksmore County, Tyrone, in 1875. Richards found that they were shoemakers originally named Cobain, C-O-B-A-N-E, who came from Inish... Inish Teve, a town within Carrickmore. They first settled in Cornwall, Ontario, Canada, and then in Washington. Cobain believed his family came from County Cork. His younger sister Kimberly was born April 24, 1970. Cobain's family had a musical background. His maternal uncle Chuck Freidenberg played in a band called the Beachcombers. His aunt Marie Earl played guitar and performed in bands throughout Grays Harbor County and his great-uncle Delbert had a career as an Irish tenor, making an appearance in the 1930 film King of Jazz. Kurt was a happy and excitable child, exhibiting sensitivity and care. <coughs> his talent as an artist was evident from an early age, as he drew, would draw his favorite characters from films and cartoons, cartoons such as The Creature from the Black Lagoon and Donald Duck in his bedroom. This enthusiasm was encouraged by his grandmother, Iris Cobain, a professional artist. Cobain developed an interest in music from a young age. 
According to his Aunt Marie, he began singing at the age of two. At age four, he started playing piano and singing, writing a song about a trip to a local park. Listening to artists like the Ramones and Electric-like Orchestra, or ELO, and from a young age would sing songs like Arlo Guthrie's Motorcycle Song, The Beatles' Hey Jude, Terry Jack's Season in the Sun, and the theme song to the television show of the band The Monkees. Cobain's parents' divorce when he was nine years old had a profound effect on his life. His mother noted that Cobain's personality changed dramatically, becoming defiant and withdrawn. In a 1993 interview, Cobain elaborated, I remember feeling ashamed for some reason. I was ashamed of my parents. I couldn't face some of my friends at school anymore because I desperately wanted to have the classic, you know, typical family. Mother, father, I wanted that security, so I resented my parents for quite a few years because of that. Cobain's parents both found new partners after the divorce, despite the fact that Cobain's father promised not to remarry. He met Jenny Westby to Kurt's dismay. Cobain, his father Westby, and his two, her two children, Mindy and James, moved into a new household together. Cobain liked Westby at first, giving him the paternal attention he desired, but in January 19, 1979, Westby gave birth to a boy, Chad Cobain. This new family, a stark contrast to the attention Cobain was used to receiving as an only boy, soon began to express resentment toward his stepmother. Cobain's mother dated a man who was abusive. Cobain witnessing the domestic abuse inflicted upon her. One is resulting in his mother being hospitalized with a broken arm. Wendy refused to press charges, remaining completely committed to their relationship. Cobain behaved instantly toward the adults in his youth and began bullying another boy at school. The misconduct eventually caused his father and Westby to take him to a therapist who concluded that he would benefit from a single-family environment. Both sides of the family attempted to bring his parents back together without much success. On June 28, 1979, Cobain's mother granted full custody to his father. Cobain's teenage rebellion quickly became overwhelming for his father, who placed his son in the care of family and friends. While living with his born-again Christian family of his friend Jesse Reed, he became a devout Christian and read attended churches, but he later renounced Christianity, engaging in anti-God rants. The song Lithium is about to spend while living with the Reed family. Religion still remained an important part of his personal life and beliefs. Despite uninterested in sports, Cobain enrolled in junior high school wrestling team at his father's urging. A skilled wrestler, Cobain despised the experience due to ridicule he indulged from his teammates and coach. He allowed himself to be pinned in an attempt to sadden his father. Cobain's father then enlisted him in a little league baseball team where Cobain intentionally struck out to avoid playing. Cobain befriended a gay student at school, suffering bullying from his peers, who concluded that Cobain was also gay. Cobain said in an interview that he liked being associated with a gay identity because he did not, he did not like people, and when they thought he was gay, they left him alone. He stated, I started being really proud of the fact that I was gay even though I wasn't. His friend tried to kiss him, causing Cobain to back off, explaining to his friend that he was not gay. He still, but still remains with him. In a 1993 interview with The Advocate, Cobain claimed that he was gay in spirit and probably could be bisexual. He also stated that he used to spray paint God is gay on pickup trucks in the Aberdeen area. 
Please make sure that Cobain arrested for spray painting with the phrase Ain't got no how, watch him call it, on vehicles. A personal journal states, I am not gay, although I wish I were, just to piss off homophobes. Cobain got through class by drawing objects associated with the human anatomy, a caricature assignment for an art course. Cobain drew Michael Jackson, but his teacher said that the image was inappropriate for a school hallway. Cobain that then drew an image of uh, then-President Ronald Reagan that was seen as unflattering. According to testimony by Cobain's classmates and family members, his first concert was Sammy Hagar and Quarter Flash at the Seattle Center Coliseum in 1983. Cobain, however, claimed his first concert was the Melvins, writing prolifically in his journal of the experience. As a teenager living in Montesano, Washington, Cobain eventually found escape through the thriving Pacific Northwest punk scene, going to punk rock shows in Seattle. Cobain was living with his mother in his second year of high school in Aberdeen, but just two weeks prior to graduation, he dropped out of Aberdeen High School when he realized he didn't have enough credits. To graduate, his mother gave him a choice, find employment or leave. After one week, Cobain found his clothes and other bones packed away in boxes. Feeling banished by his mother, Cobain stayed with friends, occasionally sneaking back into his mother's basement. Cobain claimed that during periods of homelessness, he lived under a bridge in the Wishka River and experienced that expired the song, Something in the Way. However, in November basis, Novoselic later claimed he hung out there, but you couldn't live on those muddy banks with the tides coming up and down. That was his own revisionism. In late 1986, Cobain moved into an apartment, paying the rent, working at the Polynesian Resort, a Polynesian culture resort about 20 miles north of Aberdeen. During this time, Cobain was traveling frequently to Olympia, Washington to attend rock concerts. It was during one of these visits that he formed a relationship with Tracy Miranda. Despite having a close relationship, it was strained by financial difficulties and Cobain's absence while touring. Miranda supported the couple working at the cafeteria of the Seattle-Tacoma International Airport, often stealing food. During his time with Miranda, Cobain spent most of his time sleeping late in the evening watching television and concentrating on arts projects. Miranda's insisted that he get a job caused arguments that influenced Cobain to write a, about a girl, which was featured on the Nirvana Bomb album Bleach. Miranda is credited with taking the cover photo for the album, but did not become aware Cobain wrote about a girl until years after his death. Not long after separating from Miranda, Cobain began dating Toby Vale, an influential punk zenister of the riot girl band Bikini Kill, who embraced the DIY ethos. Upon meeting Vale, Cobain vomited, becoming completely overwhelmed with anxiety caused by his infatuation of her expiring the lyric, Love you so much it makes me sick, in the song Aneurysm. Despite regarding Vale, his female counterpart, their relationship whined due to his desired maternal comfort of a traditional relationship, which Vale regarded as sexist within the counter-cultural punk rock community. Vale's love is according to her friend, Alice Wheeler, as fashion accessories Cobain and Vale spent most of their time together with a couple discussing political and philosophical issues. In 1990, they collaborated on a musical project, Bathtub is Real, both singing and playing guitar and drums. They recorded their songs on a four-track tape machine that belonged to Vale's father. In Everett's true 2009 book, Nirvana, the biography of Vale is, quotes, 
Kurt would play the songs he was writing, I would play the songs I was writing, and we'd record them on my dad's four track. Sometimes I'd sing on the songs he was writing and play drums on them. He was really into the fact that I was creative and into music. I don't think he ever, he'd ever played music with a girl before. He was a super inspiring and fun to play with. Slim Moon described the sound as like the minimal quiet pop songs that Olympia is known for, but of them saying it was really good. Cobain's relationship with Vale inspired many of the lyrics of the songs on Nevermind. Once while Cobain was discussing anarchism and punk rock with a friend, Kathleen Hanna, another member of the Bikini Kill, Hanna spray painted Kurt Smells Like Teen Spirit on Cobain's wall, apartment wall. Teen Spirit was named with the name of Deodorant Veil War, despite Cobain being unaware of the deodorant's existence. Interpreted the slogan having a revolution meaning, inspiring the title song title of the Nirvana song Smells Like Teen Spirit. Career, early music projects. On his 14th birthday, on February 20th, 1981, Cobain's uncle offered him either a bike or used guitar. Chick Kirk chose a guitar. And said he was trying to play Led Zeppelin's power ballad, Stairway to Heaven. He also learned how to play Louie Louie, Queens, Another One Bites the Dust, and Cars My Best Friend's Girl before working on his own songs. Despite playing left-handed, Cobain was forced to write right-handed. In early 1985, Cobain formed Fico Manor after dropping out of Aberdeen High School, one of several joke bands that arose from the circle of friends associated with the Melvins, initially featuring Cobain singing and playing guitar. Melvins drummer Dale Crover playing bass and Greg Hokanson playing drums. They spent several months rehearsing original material and covers, including songs by the Ramones, Led Zeppelin, and Jimi Hendrix. Fecal Man disbanded in 1986 while the Melvins supported their debut EP, Six Songs. Cobain, re- Cobain rarely found anyone he could play music with during high school while hanging out at the Melvins' practice base. He met Chris Novoselic, a fellow devotee punk rock band. Novoselic's mother owned a hair salon and the duo kids brackets in the upstairs room of the salon. A few years later, Cobain tried to convince Novoselic to form a band with him leading him a copy of a home demo recorded by Cobain's, Cobain's early band, Fecal Matter. Nirvana. Novoselic finally agreed to form their band, Nirvana, at the months of Cobain's persuasion. Religion appeared to remain an assumed part of Cobain's life, using the Christian imagery in his work and maintaining a constant interest in Jainism and Buddhist philosophy. The band named Nirvana was inspired by the Buddhist concept Cobain described as freedom from pain, suffering, in it, and the external world, a concept he aligned with the punk rock ethos and ideology. Soon, Cobain became disillusioned with early touring band due to the band's inability to draw substantial crowns and sustain themselves. During the first few years of playing in the band, of Novoselic and Cobain hosted a rotating list of drummers. They eventually settled on Chad Channing, recording the album Bleach, Released on Sub Pop Records in 1989, while Cobain was soon dissatisfied with Channing's style, resulting in finding a new drummer in Dave Grohl. With Grohl, the band recorded the 1991 major label debut Nevermind, and Nevermind's lead singer Smells Like Teen Spirit. Nirvana entered the mainstream, popularized the subgenre of alternative rock called Grunge since their debut. 
Nirvana has sold over 25 million albums in the United States alone, and over 80 million worldwide. Nevermind success provided numerous saddle bands like Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, and Soundgarden access to wider audience, resulting in alternative rock to become a dominant genre on radio and music television in the U.S. during the middle, early to middle 1990s. Nirvana was considered the flagship band of Generation X, and Cobain found himself reluctant and wanted by the media as a generation's spokesman. Cobain struggled with the sex of Nirvana and its underground roots. He felt persecuted by the media, comparing himself to Francis Farmer. He soon began to resent people who claimed to be fans of the band, refusing to acknowledge or misinterpret the band's social and political views. A vocal opponent of sexism, racism, and homophobia, he was publicly proud that Nirvana played at gay rights benefit, supporting no on nine in Oregon in 1992. The show held opposition if it passed would have directed schools to teach that homosexual was abnormal, wrong, unnatural, and perverse. Corbin Cobain was a vocal supporter of the pro-choice movement, and Nirvana was involved in L7's Rock for Choice campaign due to its political views. On pro-choice, Cobain received death threats from a small number of anti-abortion activists. One activist threatened to shoot Cobain as soon as he stepped onto a stage. Collaboration with other artists. In 1989, members of American alternative band, rock bands Nirvana and the Screaming Trees formed a side project, The Jury. The band featured Cobain on vocals and guitar, Mark Langan on vocals, Chris Novoselic on bass, and Mark Pickerel on drums. Over two days, the recording on August 20th and 28th, 1980, the band recorded four songs, also performed by Lead Belly. Where Did You Sleep Last Night, Ain't It a Shame, and They Hung Him on a Cross. The latter, which Cobain sang solo, Cobain was inspired to record the songs after receiving a copy of Lead Belly's last sessions from a friend, Slim Moon. After hearing, he felt a connection to Lead Belly's almost physical expression of longing and desire. Cobain contacted William S. Burroughs in 1992 about doing a collaboration. Burroughs sent a recording of the Junkies Christmas Recorded in his studio in Lawrence, Kansas. Two months later, in the studio of Seattle Cobain, in Seattle, Cobain added guitar backing based on Silent Night to and to Anacreon in Heaven. The two would later meet in Lawrence, Kansas and produce The Priest. They called him a spokesword, spoken word version of The Junkies Christmas. Musical Influences The Beatles were an early and lasting influence on Cobain. As his Aunt Marie remembers singing Hey Jude as early as age two. My aunts would give my Beatles records, Cobain told John Savage in 1993. So for the most part, I listened to the Beatles as a child. And if I was lucky, I'd be able to buy a single. Cobain expressed a fondness for John Lennon, whom he refers to as his idol, in one of his journals. admitted to writing the song about a girl from Nirvana's 1989 debut album Bleach. After spending three hours listening to Meet the Beatles, Cobain was a fan of 1970s hard rock and heavy metal bands like Led Zeppelin, ACDC, Black Sabbath, Aerosmith, Queen, and Kiss. Nirvana occasionally played cover songs by these bands, including Led Zeppelin's Heartbreaker, Moby Dick, and Immigrant Song, Black Sabbath's Hand of Doom, and Kiss Do You Love Me, and wrote the incesticized song Aero Zeppelin, a tribute to Led Zeppelin and Aerosmith. Recollecting 
touring with the band, Cobain stated, I used to take a nap in the van and listen to Queen over and over again. Draining the battery on the van, we'd be stuck with a dead battery because I listened to Queen too much. Cobain's main influence during his teenage years, attitude and artistic style was punk rock. His first punk rock album was Sandinista by The Clash. Becoming a bigger fan of the 19th century British punk band, the Sex Pistols describing them as one million times more important than The Clash. In his journals, he was introduced to 19th American hardcore bands like Black Flag, Bad Brains, Millions of Dead Cops, and Flipper by Buzz Osborne, lead singer and guitarist of the Melvins, and fellow Aberdeen native. Osborne taught Colby about punk, loaning him records and old copies of Detroit-based magazine Cream. The Melvins were an early, important early musical influence on Cobain with their heavy grungy sound mimicked by Nirvana on many songs from Bleach. Cobain was also a fan of proto-punk acts like the Stooges, whose 1973 album Raw Power was listed as a favorite of all time in his journals novella Underground in 1968. So Here She Comes Now was covered both live and in the studio. Both the 19th American Alternative rock band Pixies were probably instrumental in helping the adult Cobain in developing songwriting style. A 1992 interview with Melanie Maker, Cobain states that hearing their 1988 debut album Surfer Rosa convinced him to abandon his more black flag influenced songwriting in favor of Iggy Pop, Aerosmith type songwriting that appeared on their Nevermind. The 1993 interview with the Rolling Stone, Cobain, Cobain states, Smells Like Team Spirit was his attempt at trying to rip off the Pixies. I have to admit it. I, when I heard the Pixies for the first time and connected with the band so heavily, that should have been in that band or at least the Pixies cover band. We used their sense of dynamics being soft and quiet and then loud and hard. Cobain's opinion of early alternative rock bands extended to Sonic Youth and R.E.M., both of whom the members of Nirvana befriended, and looked for advice. Looked to it for advice. It was Sonic Youth's Kim Gordon's recommendation that Nirvana signed to DGC in 1990, with both bands doing a two-week European tours during the summer of 1991, as documented in the 1992 documentary, 1991, The Year Punk Broke. In 1993, Cobain stated R.E.M., if I could write just a couple of songs as good as what they've written, I don't know how that band does what they do. God, they're the greatest. They've dealt with their success like Sands, and they keep delivering great music. After attaining mainstream success, Cobain became a devoted champion of lesser-known indie bands covering songs by the Vaselines, Meat Puppets, Wipers, and Fang on stage and or in the studio wearing Daniel Jansen t-shirts during photo shoots and having TK Records logo tattooed on his forearm and enlisted bands like the Butthole Surfers, Shonen Knife, Chokebore, and Half Japanese along for the, the In Utero tour in late 93 and early 1994. Cobain invited his favorite musicians to perform with him. Ex-Germs guitarist Pat Smear joined the band in 1993 and the Meat Puppets appeared on stage during Nirvana's 1990 MTV Unplugged Appearance performing Three songs from the second album, Meat Puppets 2. Nirvana's Unplugged set included renditions of The Man Who Sold the World by British rock musician David Bowie and the American folk song, Where'd You Sleep Last Night? Adapted by American folk musician Lead Belly. Cobain introduced the latter by calling Lead Belly his favorite performer and in a 1993 interview, 
revealed he had been introduced to him from reading the American author William S. Burroughs. I remember Burroughs saying in an interview that these new rock, rock and roll kids should just throw away their guitars and listen to something real with real soul like Lead Belly. Cobain said I'd never heard about Lead Belly before so I bought a couple records and now he turned out to be my, fa- my absolute favorite of all time in music. I absolutely love it more than any rock and roll I've ever heard. The Runs Acoustic Unplugged set released as an album in 1994 provided a hint of Cobain's future music direction. The record was drawn in comparison to R.E.M. 1992 released Automatic for the People and in 1993 <coughs> Cobain predicted that the next Nirvana album would be pretty ethereal <coughs> acoustic like R.E.M.'s last album. Yeah, he talked a lot about what direction he was heading in. Cobain's friend R.E.M. led singer Lead singer Michael Stipe told Newsweek in 1994, I mean, I know what the next round of recording was <coughs> going to sound like. It was going to be very quiet and acoustic with lots of string instruments. It was going to be an amazing fucking record, and I'm a little bit angry at him for killing himself. <coughs> he and I were going to record a trial run of the album, a demo tape. It was all set up. He had a plane ticket. He had a car picking him up. And at the last minute, he called and said, I can't come. Stipe was chosen as a <coughs> godfather of Cobain and Courtney Love's daughter, Frances Bean Cobain. Artistry. Grohl stated that Cobain believed music comes first and lyrics second. Cobain focused mostly on the melodies of his songs. Cobain explained when fans and rock journalists attempted to decipher his singing and extract meaning from his lyrics, writing why in the Elder journalists insist on coming up with a second-rate Freudian evaluation of my lyrics, but 90% of the time they've transcribed them incorrectly. While Cobain insisted the subjectivity and importance of his lyrics, he labored and procrastinated in writing them, often changing the content and order of lyrics during performances. Cobain described his lyrics themselves as a big pile of contradictions. They've, they're split down the middle between various sincere opinions that I have and Sarcastic opinions and feelings that I have, and sarcastic and hopeful humorous rebuttals toward cliche bohemian ideals that have been exhausted for <coughs> years. Cobain originally wanted Nevermind to be divided into two signs a boy side for the songs written about the experience of his early life and the childhood, and a girl side for songs written about his dysfunctional relationship with Vale. Charles R. Cross wrote in the four months following their breakup. Kurt would write half a dozen of his most memorable songs, all of them about Toby Vale, though Lithium had been written before Cobain knew Vale. The lyrics of the songs were changed to reference her. Cobain said in an interview with a musician that some of my very personal experiences, like breaking up with girlfriends and having had a delicious feeling like death void that the person in the song is feeling very lonely, sick, while Cobain regarded in Europe for the most part was very per- impersonal. On the album, he deal- dealt with his parents' divorce, his newfound fame, and the public image and perception of himself, and Courtney Love, and served with the servants with his enamoration love conveyed through lyrical themes of pregnancy and the female anatomy on heart-shaped box. Cobain wrote, Rape Me, not only an objective discussion of rape, but a metaphorical protest against this treatment by the media. He wrote about fame, drug addiction, and abortion on Penny Royal Tea, as well as women's rights and the life of Seattle-born farmer on Francis Farmer. 
We'll have our revenge on Seattle. Cobain was afflicted enough to write the song Paul Evan Nevermind after a newspaper story of an incident in 1980s where a 14-year-old girl was kidnapped after attending a punk rock show and then wrapped and tortured with a blowtorch. She eventually escaped after gaining the trust of her captured jail friend through flirting with him. At the scene, Nirvana performed Bob Dylan's side of Polly as the best of Nirvana's songs and said of Cobain, the kid of his heart. Patrick Suxkin's novel perfumed the story of a murder inspired Cobain to write the song Senseless Apprentice from In Utero. The book is a historical novel, horror novel about a perfume, perfumer's apprehended apprentice born with no body odor of his own but a highly developed sense of smell and who attempts to create the ultimate perfume by killing virginal women and taking their scent. Cobain admits himself in artistic projects throughout his life as much as he did in songwriting. The sentiments of his artwork follow the same subject of his life, often expressed through the dark and macabre sense of humor. Noted with was his fascination with physiology and his own rare mental conditions and the human anatomy. According to Nova Selleck, Kurt said that he never liked literal things. He liked cryptic things. He would cut on out pictures of meat from grocery store flyers, then paste them on these orchids on them and all of his stuff and on, on in utero around the body. There was something about anatomy. He really liked that. You looked at his art. There were these people and they were they're all weird, like mutants and dolls, creepy dolls. Often unable to afford artistic resources, Cobain improvised with materials, painting on board games and album sleeves, and painting with an array of substances, including his own bodily fluids. The artwork seen in his journals would later drew acclaim. Many of Cobain's paintings, collages, and cultures appeared in the artwork of Nirvana's albums, such as the covers of Incesticide and In Utero. His concerts found featured in Nirvana's music videos, sometimes leading to arguments.